Welcome into the Golf Club, the golf podcast here on ESPN 1000, ESPN 1000 app. And it is my pleasure to welcome a guy in who I followed. He's been on ESPN, he's been at the Golf Channel, now he's at the Action Network, Jason Zobel. Jason, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So before we get started and talk about this week's event, Jason, I saw an article, I believe you wrote it, it was on the Action Network, about a, a bet that Phil Mickelson made with <laughs> Colt Nost. And if people yeah. don't know who Colt Nost is, he was I, he's not on the tour anymore, is he, Jason? He's retired now. He does a radio show on Sirius XM PGA Tour and does a great job with it. And and you say he's retired. He's he's is he even thirty or how, how old is Colt Nost? Colt is probably early to mid thirties. Right okay, now. but he uh, is uh, he's not playing professionally anymore. But um, he, he's he's a great guy and uh, has a lot of good golf intel. And he was he was a time once a really good golfer, right? I mean, he was you know he was on the oh, tour. Oh, he was a he was the number one ranked amateur in the world at one point. Won the NCAA's, won the US Am. I mean, he was a big timer getting out on the PGA Tour. Had some injuries, but I mean, this guy um, and and loves some action on the golf course. And because of that, uh, gets along really well with a lot of the players out there. A lot of the big time players. All right, so just t- tell us there was a great article you wrote about Phil and Colt Nose had a bet. On John Rahm. Just t- tell us just a little about what ha- the article. Okay, so this is 2016, a few weeks before John Rahm is set to turn professional. He's still an amateur at this point, obviously a very highly ranked amateur, but Phil Mickelson had played golf with Rahm, and Phil's brother Tim was Rahm's coach at Arizona State. So uh, there was a connection there, and Phil played with him at Whisper Rock, and Rahm shot a 62. And Phil was very, very impressed. And so they were sitting around at a table, uh, Colt and Phil and Dustin Johnson, a few other players, during a rain delay at the 2016 FedEx St. Jude Classic in Memphis. And somehow Rom's name came up in the conversation, and Phil said, he's going to be a top 10 player in the world within a year. And Colt kind of stood up. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, not within a year. Like, the guy's not even pro yet. He's, he's got to, first of all, turn pro. Secondly, He's got to get his PGA Tour card. If he doesn't get his Tour card, there's no chance of him playing the developmental tours and becoming a top-10 player in the world. I mean, he's really got to move up quickly to get there. He said he pointed at DJ and said, Dustin won his first six years out on the PGA Tour and still wasn't a top-10 player. I mean, it takes a lot to get up there, and he got to do it pretty quickly. And Phil said, look, I understand all of that, but he's just that good. And so Colt said, all right, you want some action on that? And Phil said, give me two to one. We'll get some action. And so... Within a few weeks, after being the low amateur at the U.S. Open, his first professional event, John Rahm goes to the Quicken Loans National, finishes his share in third place. Good little start. Uh, by the next January, he won at Torrey Pines, the Farmers Insurance Open, moved up to 46, I believe it was in the world, and over his next eight events had five top ten finishes, culminating with a T2 at Colonial in May and moving into the top ten in the world. 11 months after they made their bet, and Colt lost, and Phil was right again. This is why you don't want to bet Phil Mickelson, because he usually wins these things. And, and Phil is a well-known, a well-known uh, gambler. I'm not, you know, not big, I'm, I guess at some point at big stakes, but he, he likes to bet, right, on the PGA Tour, right? He, yes, and I, you know, I, I want to couch that as saying, like, you know, he is not out there every day when he's playing competitive events. Uh, betting with his playing partners, but sure, like like most golfers, I right. think Phil enjoys a little side action. Right, there. Yeah. that's what I was saying. Like in the practice rounds, I've heard he likes he likes to he likes to you know go up, grab a partner, and and make it fun, basically. Right. His, his usual mantra is, 
uh, enough to keep you interested and not enough to make you uncomfortable. So I think if you and I were playing for the amounts that right. uh, that Phil and some of the guys were playing for, for those guys, and, and he makes the point, look, we're playing for a seven-figure payday for first place this week. If we play for a little bit on Tuesday, just kind of gets your blood pumping a little. Right. And, and I think he's completely right about that. We're visiting with Jason Sobel from the Action Network. Jason, let's go back before we look ahead to the Memorial because there's a, there's a lot of layers to that tournament. And, you know, I, I, I tuned in Saturday afternoon, and I think on the 10th hole, Tony Finau hit a 50-foot putt, and I'm like, boy, this is his tournament. And then he just fell apart. He made some bad club decisions, I think, and uh, John Rahm had a great back nine and sort of took control of the tournament. But then you're thinking on Sunday, well, it's a four-stroke lead. Finau gets hot or someone gets hot. And then John Rahm basically uh, controlled that tournament. How impressed were you the way John Rahm played uh, Saturday and Sunday at the Memorial? Yeah, became the number one player in the world based on this victory. And uh, he showed why he uh, deserves to be, at least in the numbers. I know a lot of people say he hasn't won a major yet. and He hasn't won as much as some other players. But, uh, man, the talent is certainly there. And uh, he showed that off. Uh, throughout the final really 27 holes on the weekend, the back nine Saturday, and of course all of Sunday in those really treacherous conditions. So uh, he's, a, he's a as good a player as there is out there right now, as talented. If I was trying to rate the best players in the world, I mean, I'd, I'd have a tough time maybe putting Rom ahead of Rory McIlroy and maybe even Justin Thomas, but he's certainly right there in the top three or four. And, um, you know, if you want to argue that he's the best in the world right now, I certainly can't. Uh, dismiss that argument. So, um, yeah, he's uh, he's got such a big future ahead of him for a guy who's only 25 years old. All right, let, let's just go to the, I think it was on the 16th hole, he, he airmailed the green in the par three, mm-hmm. um, had a really tough lie, uh, great chip shot, chips it in, birdies it, and then I thought, I, I don't know, I don't, I'd like to find out, maybe you can explain to me, who, who was the one that came that that decided to do a red flag there that the ball moved? Was that the PGA Tour or who was that? Yes, it was the tour. Now, it, this is such a gray. There's a lot of gray areas at work here now. So, uh, TV viewers are not allowed to call in violations as they were years ago. And years ago, this would this would happen. It happened at Tiger Woods uh, at the Masters one year, where somebody called it in and said, "Hey." You know, he took an improper drop, and they went back and looked at it. You're, you're no longer allowed to call him in, but uh, we have things other than telephones these days. And so if someone from the PGA Tour happens to be on Twitter, happens to be on some other social media site, and, and seeing that, you know, and people were talking about it. People were mentioning that they thought his ball moved. And so they decided to look at it. And I, I still don't know what that conversation would have been like if, he had a one-stroke victory and went into the scoring trailer and talked to the officials as opposed to an apparent five-stroke victory, which uh, my guess is that conversation went something like, hey, John, we're not sure if the ball moved. It might have. Let's take a look at it. And he said, I still get a trophy in the Patriot. Right. I don't know. Give give me the two-shot penalty. I'll take a bogey instead of a birdie. The ball still went in the hole, and I still win by three. Let's go. And my guess is it was probably that simple very much like Dustin Johnson at the 2006 U.S. Open where they gave him a penalty there and he was, uh, had enough cushion in his victory that he kind of didn't care afterwards. So might have been a different story. At least Rom would have argued it, my guess is, a little bit more if it had only been a one-shot win and they were trying to take that win away from him and it would have been so much more controversial. I, I have a, a, a hard – I have a problem with a hard time trying to assess, you know, it, look uh, – 
a, a, a rule broken, and first of all, I, I want to say this, that there's no cheating. I heard people try to make a comment that John Rahm was somehow cheating by improving his lie or moving the ball. This is, this is the furthest thing from cheating as we've seen. This is not uh, any sort of parallel to what happened with Patrick Reed last year. So uh, this is not cheating by any means, but uh, even if a uh, rule was unknowingly broken, it gets to the point where can you see it with the naked eye. And, you know, I guess the people who saw it on TV said, yeah, look, I, I watched it on TV and I saw it. My guess is the only thing that changes after this is that PGA Tour will tell the network broadcast team, just don't show a ball sitting in the rough when a guy is about to hit from a tight shot like that because everybody saw it. Right. And the biggest problem I have is that if on Thursday morning a player is in 38th place and he has the exact same lie and does the exact same thing, nobody ever is going to question that because nobody sees it. And so why should a player get penalized basically just because he's in the lead and they show a tight shot of his ball as he's uh, setting up to it and as he's about to hit that shot. So uh, I think that it's a little bit unfair to the guys just because they get themselves in that position where they're about to win a golf tournament. So John Rahm goes on, he ends up winning by three strokes, but of course there was a lot of gambling going on on John Rahm, and I guess uh, I think I read a couple different sites where the money swung like over $100,000 because that two-stroke penalty, which is absolutely crazy. But um, that's gambling, I guess, you know. But uh, uh, the question I had, another question I had for you on this, Jason, is wasn't it the PGA, didn't, shouldn't they have told him on the TN18 um, what was going on, or they didn't, they didn't need to do that? They waited till after the round was over. Like, what if he had, you know, if he had known that he only had a three-stroke lead, and I don't know, does he play it differently, or, or what? was the PGA, did they have to say something before the, the round was over? So a couple things here. First of all, uh, we had on our Action Network podcast this week a guy named Joel Shrek who uh, had John Rahm in a showdown lineup, final round only, on DraftKings. When it was over, he was winning $200,000. And then when that ruling came down, uh, because Rom's birdie actually became a bogey, he lost so many points that he finished in second instead oh. and only got 50000 and lost $150,000 on that ruling. Joel was not very happy about it, as <laughs> you could imagine. Yes. Um, as far as when they told Rom, it, I understand it. Look, it, it takes a few minutes to, to realize, like, hey, we've got to go look at it. I don't think this was an immediate thing where there's someone on the PGA Tour staff who's like, hey, let me watch on TV and see if I see any violations. And as soon as I think there might be one, we're going to call out to a player and tell them. I, it just doesn't happen that quickly. They're not, they're not sort of on guard at all moments. So you, you've got to sort of process the information. You've got to look at it. You've got to be aware of it. They've got to look at the video and say, is this actually worth us talking to him about or not? And at that point, do you want to go tell the player? I mean, John Rahm's about to go win a golf tournament. He's on the 18th tee. You have to make the decision, even if you know at that point. Do we want to go out there and tell him on the 18th tee, hey, by the way, you might have a penalty coming? Um, I don't know. I, I will say that they probably should have handled it better afterwards so that John Rahm didn't find out for the first time in front of a national television audience. Right. Uh, obviously, CBS wanted that live interview yep. as soon as the round was over, but there probably should have been a PGA Tour official who first pulled him aside, whispered into his ear, hey, just so you know, we're going to look at it. It could be a penalty. You're still going to win, but we want you to come in and look at it. Now go do some TV. So I think he was caught off guard on national TV, and if anyone thinks that 
John Rahm is a good enough actor to uh, to talk it off the way he did, and he looked astounded on national TV when yep. he found out about the potential penalty, um, then give him a Best Actor Award right now because uh, I, I really believe that he had absolutely no idea that he ever possibly did something in that rough on 16. All right, one more before we on the memorial before we get to the 3M. What what was Bryson DeChambeau doing? I, I don't mean, know. <laughs> I I don't know. Uh, he was making a 10. He was all I can think of. And Bryson had taken the week off before, but he played a lot of golf before that. Uh, Bryson's got a lot of things going on right now with him, and all I can think is just like you know, it's a combination of exhaustion and frustration and some other things. He played so well for such a long time. I think it requires so much more mental energy than most people understand to not only play golf at that level, but play golf at that level and be contending every single week that uh, it just sort of all bubbled up for him. And, uh, and you know, look, he, he made a few mistakes there. His behavior, you know, he's not winning any friends and influencing people the way he's acting on the golf course right now. Um, which is okay. I mean, look, uh, you know, golf needs villains too, and, and he's becoming one because I think the general public is uh, collectively not becoming Bryson DeChambeau fans. But that said, uh, he, he's turned himself into a great player. He's put a lot of risk into what he's doing as far as adding 45 pounds since this point last year, uh, increasing his swing speed. He understands the analytics behind the farther you hit the ball, uh, the better chance you have make, of making birdie. And so he's trying to uh, implement things in his game to uh, to go along with those analytics. So um, really, if the only criticism you have of Bryson over the last six weeks or so has been, hey, he made a 10 and acted a little foolish uh, on one hole during the second round of the Memorial, that's not the worst thing in the world, I guess. But yeah, it, it wasn't a good look there. Uh, we're visiting with Jason Sobel from the Action Network. Great stuff on the Action Network. And now let's get to the 3M Open. Obviously, the field is not what it was at the Morio, not even close. Uh, Dustin Johnson is your favorite, 11-1. to Brooks Kepka 14-1. to Tommy Fleetwood playing for the first time. He's at 14-1. to who, who, who do you like? And maybe give us one long shot as well. Yeah, so I'm fading the top of the board. Uh, Dustin Johnson is rightfully so the tournament favorite this week because I don't have anyone I put ahead of him. The books don't get these things wrong, but coming off a pair of 80s last week. I don't think there's ever been a time in PGA Tour history, and there's no way to really quantify this, but I can't imagine that anyone has failed to break 80 in his previous two rounds and then been the tournament favorite one week later. So that's a little strange, um, but still, uh, you know, like I said, it kind of makes sense. Brooks Kepka dealing with some knee issues, obviously not playing his best golf right now, probably not terribly motivated for this tournament this week because it's not a big one and we all know how he steps up for the big ones. Tony Finau, I think, is a good play, but for a guy who's only won one time in his career at an opposite field event, really tough to take him at 12, 13 to 1. Those are pretty low odds for a guy who does not win consistently. Tommy Fleetwood hasn't played golf in four months, and so uh, I look at him as a fade as well just because he might be a little rusty. And uh, so I look a little bit further down the down the uh, board, and a guy I really like this week, Eric Van Royen, a South African. He's ranked 43rd in the world, coming off a 22nd place finish at the Memorial last week. Not only did he go to the University of Minnesota, he married a woman from there. They're staying with 
her parents, the in-laws, this week. He said he loves TBC Twin Cities, played there a lot in college. There's a lot of narratives that are lining up for Van Royen this week, and I think he's a really nice play. Uh, any any long shots that uh, that you uh, you like this week, Jason? Yeah, there's one that I love, Sahith Bigala. If you don't know the name yet, uh, learn the name, remember the name. He was the Ben Hogan and Jack Nicholas award winner as the best collegiate player this past year out of Pepperdine. Kid's got a ton of game, and he's completely undervalued in the marketplace. Opened up at 300 to one this week. Uh, very cheap, also on DraftKings if you're playing some DFS. So uh, I think this is a guy who uh, who can go out there and play well. If you don't believe that a young player can play that well on the PGA Tour, then you just haven't been paying attention. This very tournament last year, Matthew Wolf, not long out of college, went out and won. And just a few weeks ago, the Travelers Championship, Will Gordon who wasn't nearly as heralded or decorated as Sigala finished in the share of third place in a tougher field. So I think it's all set up for him to have a really nice week. Hey, uh, Jason Sobel, thanks so much for joining us. This is great stuff. Hope we can have you again on the golf club. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Merck and Jason. It's that time of the golf club podcast where we try to pick some winners. I'm Carmen DeFalco, joined by Adam Abdallah and the one and only Randy Merkin. Boys, we got uh, the 3M Open mm. at the TPC Twin Cities in Minneapolis this weekend. For years, this golf course hosted an event on the Champions Tour. Last year, the event got moved to the PGA Tour. So it's the second year where uh, all the young guns get to go out there and fire away. And Matthew Wolf, one of the young guns, his one and only career PGA Tour came at this event last year where he destroyed the course to the tune of 21 under par. Bryson and Colin Morikawa, more young guns, finished tied for second. So do we find another young gun this weekend? What, what I remember, I think Matthew Wolf eagled the last hole to I win believe it. you are par correct. Five. Yeah. Merck, yes. Good recall. Yes. That is correct. Yeah, I think the young guns, uh, I mean, listen, the field is a not, obviously, it's not good. Not like it's been because yeah. you've got two huge events in Come, the next two weeks right. coming up, the right. WGC and the PGA. Yep. Uh, we don't know when Tiger's going to play next. Dustin Johnson is the favorite. He's what eleven, or you can get him. He's 11, about ten under, 10, about yeah, 10, ten to one. Kepka, who looks like he just right now is just working on things, like almost doesn't even really care about winning as much as he's trying to figure some things out. And he, I know he's getting not ready. No, he's not one hundred percent still. Kepka can't find a fairway right. right now. It's right. hard, you know. It's hard to bet Kepka right now. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that, but. And DJ's, you know, like, who the hell knows with DJ? He goes out and he shoots 80-80, I think, last weekend. He did, right? yeah. 80-80. Yeah. And he missed, before the course even really got hard over the weekend, right. he goes out and shoots 80-80, misses the cut. But DJ could totally come back and win this week. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think I had DJ last week, and it did not end well. No, obviously. you never know with him. Yeah. Like he, t- honestly, he can he go out like f- and he can torch it, or he can miss the cut with an fifteen or sixteen to one last week yeah, when I got something him. Something like that. And yeah, absolutely out of it after you know not making the cut. Uh, speaking of not making the cut, Brooks Kepka. So this is what his third tournament in a row before taking one off. Like he took one off, and then he's played. This is his third, third in, a row, in a row, I believe. He's got those bad knees. I think you can get him at plus 325 to miss the cut. Wow, is that right? Yeah. So if he is working on stuff and he's got these bad knees that he's dealing with, third one, he might take, might not be taking time off after this. Maybe he is just working on stuff. Boy, plus 325 to miss the cut. On an easier course, though, like, you know, as he's get, trying to tune himself up for these, you know, big events coming up, like, is Brooks Kepka against this field on this course going to miss the cut? I'd yeah. be surprised if he missed the cut. 
Yeah, well, you never know, though. It's, it's a, you know, maybe he gets a bad first round and then just, yeah. you know. He I mean, says, forget it. He bags yeah. it and says, I'm yeah. going to go get ready for the WGC. So yeah. so who are you guys going to take? Um, Because of the low scoring, I'm going to go, I'm going to start with 16-1, to 1, Tommy Fleetwood. I like that. Birdie machine. First first time playing on the first tour. First time back. Yeah. yeah, so we don't know how he's going to be, you know, affected by the layoff or whatever. I'm sure he's still playing golf. Like, it's not like these guys right. are no. playing golf. Right, right. So, uh, he's, but he is a birdie machine, so I'm going to go with him. And then if you want, this is a longer course, so the Bombers have done well, like Bryson DeChambeau, as we've talked about. Uh, I'm going to go with Bubba Watson. I forgot what he's at right now. Bubba like is, 20 Bubba to is one. 30 to 1. So I got 25 to 1. All right, I see 30 on my So side. I'll take Close. your site then. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, but go 25 to the, something like that. So Bubba Watson, Tommy Fleetwood, and then uh, the guy that Sobel mentioned, I'll probably throw a little change. Oh, right, Jason well. Sobel before mentioned. A uh, two hundred and fifty to one shot. Wow. Yeah, why not? Another young gun. Uh, Sahith Thagala yeah. is his name. Yes. Yeah, I heard Nance mention towards the end of the telecast. So there's now been twenty eight PGA Tour events. You know, for the right, year, right, 2019, right. 2020, 28 events. Exactly half, fourteen, have been won by players in their twenties. Uh-huh. Thirteen more have been won by players in their thirties, and then one forty year old. You know who that is? Tiger Woods. Tiger uh-huh. is the only forty year old. Yeah, the Zuzu. The, the, the Zuzu, that's yes. right. So, I, you know, like looking for a guy in his 20s. I'm going to go with Lucas Glover. Uh, not a guy in his 20s, but he's made the cut in all five tournaments since he's come back. And out of the 10 weekend rounds since he's come back, he's been par or better eight times. The only time he wasn't was last weekend in Muirfield when everybody got destroyed. You know, those are his only yeah. rounds on the weekend above par. So he's hitting the ball well. He's right around the top 50 in distance, which is important on this court and uh, course and accuracy. I think he's 30th maybe or something like that in accuracy. So good metrics, good statistics, and he seems to be hitting the ball pretty well right now. So Lucas Glover at 30 to one. I also like six to one. I always like backing it up with those top fives because it's so hard to pick these winners at six to one to finish in the top five. I'll be playing uh, Lucas Glover this weekend. I like and I one. think Nor- Henrik Norlander, who played well last he week, did, yeah. tied for six. The yep. Swede yep. has hit the ball well since the return. He's got a tied for 12th and a tied for six since he's come back. And he's got long odds at 50 to one. So maybe Henrik Norlander gets a little little taste this weekend too. 10 to one to finish in the top five. Isn't it crazy? I mean, these, there's so many great golfers. Like it's just impossible. It's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to pick these. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough thing to gamble on. That's why these bets should always be small. You right. Know, honestly. This right. Yeah. I mean, just, when you're getting, you know, even. Even if you're getting 16 to 1 exactly. or 17 to 1. 10 bucks on that can make exactly. you some serious money, you know? So, uh, so I'm going to go with a guy who uh, finally met Jack Nicholas last week. I'm going to go <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> Dylan for Fratelli. All right, Dylan. All right, Dylan. Uh, Dylan Fratelli, uh, he's 66 to 1. He can go low. He's had some great rounds since he's been back. Uh, another guy who jumped into the scene, another young golfer, Will Gordon. Mm. He's 66 to 1 as well. And then I want to bring attention uh, to you guys. To a guy who is five hundred to one, okay. five hundred, five hundred to one. I never, I'm never gonna even heard of this guy. Okay, I? either have I. I just read the article this morning. His, uh, he is the caddy for Martin Trainer, I believe, who you probably never heard of either. Uh, he's on the PJ Tour, Martin Trainer. His caddy's name is Aaron Crawford, and he qualified with what? a sixty-three this week. So he's five hundred to one. Crazy enough, Martin Trainer, who is the PJ professional yeah, player, yeah. is got worse odds than that. Wow. Yeah. So, so Aaron, his caddy His caddy, qualified. he saw, the article says, trainer was following him and saw that he had a great round, didn't know if he qualified, texted him, didn't hear it back, and then he called him and said, hey, you're going to have to find a new caddy for this week. Boy, I, I'm playing. 63. Not so, bad. yeah. So I'm going to go out. Maybe I'll do a top 10 on him. He's like 25. But has he ever played in a 
tour event? Uh, I don't. Uh, I believe in the past, but oh, yeah. not in a long time. Yeah, it's tough if so, you've never played one yeah. of these events when the pressure mm-hmm. starts. Right. On. I don't so, care what you do on Friday, Thursday, and Friday. So I'll go with Dylan Fratelli at sixty-six to one, and Will Gordon at sixty. I'm going to go with this two long shot. Yeah, yeah, I like those two. That's yeah, good stuff. Yeah, because it, someone's going to go low, and maybe a youngster. Next one, couple so. weekends, guys, we yep. get into the big boys, and right? Then, the yeah. WGC, the PGA Championship yeah. in two weeks, and the European Tour starts this weekend. That's right. And then next weekend, where I make a lot of money, the Champions Tour. Comes uh, back. coming back. The yes. Champions Tour. Yes, I'm very good with that. He likes so. watching Paul Azinger play. Yes. Yeah. Paul Goidos. Paul Azinger doesn't play in the He doesn't play in the No, he doesn't play. Because he's announcing. He's, he's announcing. Yeah. That's true. You got any yeah. first-round picks Goidos, for us? Are you going to hold out on us again? <laughs> Merkin's betting on Paul Goidos. I love Oh, I've won it. Paul oh, Goidos. Yeah. I love it. He shot a 59 before, buddy. So, so great. Right. No, Paul Goidos can play. Yeah, absolutely. He played a long yeah. time. Yeah. Nothing in the first round. You can hold out on us and tell us after you won. Oh, first round this week? Yeah, who do you like? You know, I haven't really looked at it, but... What about your guy you just mentioned? What's Dylan, he doing? I, I'm gonna do. I would do Dylan Fratelli and Luke List. Luke List is fifty to one uh, for a first round, and uh, Luke List is always good to come out yeah. and shoot a good round on yep. Thursday. You yep. know? Mm-hmm. he's another bomber. Yeah, um, but so I would. I would say uh, one of those guys probably in the first round. All right, happy wagering, boys. Yep, good work, Merck. Lock us out, Merck. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, come sorry. on. Do I mean, this is your show. Okay. Your job. Well, this no, is your it's show. Every, it's the people show. Over there. Yeah, All right. Thanks on. for listening to another edition <laughs> of the Golf Club. You can get it on the ESPN app. ESPN, what, ESPN 1000 app, Connor? Is that how you say it? ESPN, ESPN yeah. Chicago, ESPN Chicago app. Chicago app. Okay. Chicago app. You're supposed to know this. You're the boss. <laughs> Talk to you I next week. It. See ya.